Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we're back. We are back, Will. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Fantastic. Ah, <laughs> oh, I am too. I'm I'm doing really good. We're still holding on to some autumn, at least while we were recording this. It's probably going to be freezing by the time the listeners you know. hear this, but... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, we have a great, a great podcast episode in line today. But before we get into that, let's do our music business tip. And uh, the tip for today is for those who don't know, a lot of you probably probably already do know that you can record your live performances through uh, portable recorders. And one of them is Zoom. And uh, there's also Tascam. I think they have one as well. But what's great about it is that you can get a digital recording, clear recording of your live performances. And this is stuff that you can use for content on your YouTube channel, on your Facebook page and all these other places. Now, of course, you can everybody knows they can record their shows from their phone. But what you can get with these portable recorders is high digital quality and uh, that you can't really get from a cell phone. So. Um, if you want to do images with your cell phone and then maybe audio with your, your zoom recorder, then that, that'll be a great combination. So, uh, check it out. Yeah. 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 No, the zoom is a special, the sound quality is ridiculous. It's so, it, it literally sounds like you're sitting right <laughs> in, in the, the audience. In the, exactly. It's as clear as, yeah. It's a, and they've, they've really, they've got a lot of different uh, versions. My version is old and decrepit, so I need to get... <laughs> I'm the same I need way. To update. I need to update my Zoom, but um, but it, it is. It's it's a really good way to to get some recordings and also to get some quality audio recordings straight out of your computer. Yeah. Um, if you need that, you know, if you're recording something from something, um, so good. That's a so, good tip. So, who do you have for us today, Kenya? Ah, so this is this is a really this is going to be kind of special for me because I have. Um, not only just a really phenomenal uh, musician, but he's a really, really good friend of mine. And he has, I, I have to say that, you know, my career, I'm pretty, I'm about nine to 8% sure that my career would not be where it is right now if it were not for this person to really mentor me and help and, and so forth and just constantly um, motivate and challenge me. So I'm happy, happy, happy to uh, introduce Mr. Kendall Duffy. Kendall, are you there? <laughs> hey, what's We're going good. on, man? We're good. good. Now, I, I, I wanted to say your name real quick, but I want to let people know, like, you know, I said musician, but I'm going to let Kendall really describe what he does because he does a lot of stuff and Kendall, I don't know if we're going to have enough time <laughs> to talk about all that you do, but um, our headline says that you are a music producer um, as well as musician, but you're also a music industry professional. So that's just for you guys. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. And I'm going to let you <laughs> kind of expand a little bit more. How, how would you say, how would you describe what you do? What, how do you define yourself? Well, 
First of all, Kenya, and hello, Bill, uh, Will, Will I am, Will, Mr. Will. Uh, First of all, I want to say thank you for the um, uh, introduction and the the kind words. Um, I think that uh, above all things, I just try to be um, a person that loves people and just has a heart for people. So I think that's first. And I I say that because I think that um, in this world of, of of professional music and entertainment in general, um, oftentimes um, we can easily forget the, the human touch of what life is all about. So I want to start with that. And then I think on the, on the side of, of what I do, I guess it's kind of hard to quantify it in, in one word, but I, I think the easiest way to, to put it into context is that I am a entertainment executive. And underneath that, I think there falls different, um, you know, areas. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician, I'm, I'm a producer and a songwriter. Um, I've had the privilege of working for several major record companies. So I've, I've been blessed to learn the industry from a firsthand basis, which I think has, well, not think, but I, I know it has, has definitely given me a very unique um, perspective and angle on how I go about um, my approach, with, uh, even with producing records and writing songs, because some of the things that I was uh, privileged to learn and experience working for um, some major labels has been just um, so um, incredibly valuable to how I approach the creative process. Um, Although I think that that there are still two different mindsets, I think the two, Mm -hmm. the two definitely coexist. And so um, I'm also a singer and and I have a twin brother. We have uh, an R&B outfit by the name of cloud nine. So again, there's just different elements. And then my, my twin brother, along with my sister, Michelle, we have a family ran, um, marketing and promotions company called D3 Entertainment, which stands for Duffy 3. Um, actually, all three of us were fortunate to work uh, in the music industry as record executives. I was the head of A&R and promotions for Light Records, which is now uh, Entertainment One. But back when I first joined Light Records, they were just using the uh, the name Light Records, which was a name that they acquired from the original label from the 70s, which Light Records was the gospel label in the 70s that launched every single major gospel legend that we know of today from <laughs> um, Andre Crouch to the Hawkins mm. family to the Winans, uh, Daryl Coley. I mean, they were pretty much like the Motown for gospel. And so I served as the director of A&R and promotions. And then my sister, Michelle, was director of marketing there. And then she went on to become the general manager of CeCe's label, Pure Springs. My twin brother was a general, uh, I'm sorry, was the um, marketing director for, I'm sorry, promotions director for Verity Records, um, which was a part of Sony's uh, gospel division. So the three of us being siblings and all working for major labels is a very unique thing within itself. And so after years of, of working for these corporate structures, we decided to resign and start our own company um, called D3 again, which stands for Duffy 3. And we still work very heavily in the music side of things, 
but we've expanded into the television and film market and have really grown our business, um, in particular with the niche marketing of what we call faith-based marketing, where we take products in mm. particular, whether they're movies or television or books or what, whatever it may be, uh, and we strategically market them to the African-American faith-based consumer. And so uh, for those of you that may think, well, that, that sounds a little, okay, what does that mean? So basically with any <laughs> kind of product, you know, let's say you, you could take McDonald's as an example. You can see McDonald's, um, a commercial on primetime television, ABC, NBC, and then you'll see another McDonald's commercial on, say, BET or TV One or some other um, niche uh, television outlet where the music is different, the language is different, the messaging is different. The same product is McDonald's, but people receive information differently. You know, Hispanics receive inf- information differently. You know, mm-hmm. um, the Catholic uh, marketplace receives information differently. The African-American marketplace receives things differently. So, so you have specific marketing for specific targeted groups. Wow. Perfect. Wow, wow, wow. He didn't. As I said, there was no way I was going to be able to say all that, right, Kendall? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry for such a long, no, drawn out that explanation. Was awesome. It was just kind of hard to no. put it all in in, in one mouth. It was perfect because <laughs> it really lines up with you know we've been doing this podcast. We're on episode twenty. You're at episode twenty two now, and so we've done you know twenty one weeks of of talking about different things related to the music industry and it's kind of like when you are in school and you keep hearing your teacher you know talk 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 and you kind of just you know after a while you're just like okay yeah yeah but then when they bring in the professional or you actually go to the internship and you see everything you've talked about in one cohesive motion and you see how it actually functions that's like what you just said being the head of A&R I mean we talked about all of that you mm-hmm. know how as a musician you have these different streams and these different levels and you know working corporate then going on your own I mean, so it was perfect. It was, it was, it was, that was great. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit, you know, how, how did you, how did you get even? <laughs> you started kind of at the point of when you were um, heading up A&R, but how did you get even into that? Like, you know, what was your background? Um, was that something you were trying to do? How did that happen? Sure. Well, uh, okay. So, Growing up, uh, myself, my twin brother, and my sister, Michelle, um, we grew up in a single-parent home with my mother, who was a church musician, and that's where it all started, really. My, my mother brought us up um, singing literally every week in church. Um, we had to take our instruments to church, or we couldn't play in the school band. That's how my mother was. She was just—she <laughs> was that way. So we we would sing in church. We'd play our instruments. I, I actually was a, a horn player, a low brass player. I played trombone. Um, and so— I think the early roots of all that was my mother instilling, um, again, as a musician. In fact, she used to tell me that when she was pregnant with my twin brother and I, that she would play the piano and sing to us every day while we were in the womb. And so I I really know that I got bit with the music bug before I even, (laughs) you know, came out. And so and what's funny is that my twin brother is 34 minutes older than me. And so for anyone that knows twins, most most twins are usually within, you know, three to four <laughs> minutes or five. So people always say, 34 <laughs> minutes? And my answer is always, I was writing a song, <laughs> and I wasn't coming out until it was right. That's great. <laughs> so so the, early, the early thing was, was my mother, you know, instilling that. And so growing up in that, 
So by the time we were like, you know, teenagers, we were just all very, very, very serious about wanting to pursue music. We, we grew up in Denver, which is coincidentally where Kenya grew up <laughs> as well. And so by the time I was 14, we were fortunate to meet a, a, a man named Jerry Weaver, who was the brother-in-law of my sister Michelle's boss. She worked at a restaurant. And so her boss was married to a lady who Jerry Weaver, Jerry Weaver was her brother. Jerry Weaver produced Janet Jackson's very first album. He produced some early New Edition sides. He produced a couple of live albums on the Jacksons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played guitar for Aretha Franklin. So as a 14-year-old kid who has always wanted to do music, you know, my eyes were like, Big as a moon, you know. <laughs> so we got a chance to meet him, and he took an immediate liking to us. And I would definitely 100% credit him for giving myself, and actually all three of us, uh, my twin brother and my sister, our first professional mindset of the business. I mean, he would do things like this. Um, first, you know, when, when he heard me writing songs at 14 and just saw what how passionate I was, it was like, you know, I'm, I want to definitely work with you guys. I want to take you under my wings, um, which is why, and I'll talk about this later, which is why I think it's so important to mentor up. Mentor, get involved with people who are more experienced mm-hmm. than you, that have done it, and so, so, and which is why I'm so passionate about doing that now with people. So, so he basically would do things like he would literally call us at like midnight and wake us up and tell us to get up and go through a routine and sing and do our routine. And, you know, and, and we were like, what are, the, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, right now it's like 830 in the morning in London. You might be doing a morning show one day and you have to be able to adjust. So if you just flew in, you're going to feel tired and draggy, but you got to be able to adjust. You can't make excuses. And so all those things started to like really give us this kind of really uh, disciplined mindset and and I mean, there's a number of things. That's just one example of things he would do, but but I firmly firmly credit him for really giving us that that start. And he would like he would sit sit me down in the studio. I, I would literally watch him in the studio, and I remember questioning everything that he did. Like you know, why are you putting the snare drum slightly panned left, and why are you putting that kind of reverb on there? And he'd be like. He, he, he always used the word brother man. Brother man, you're 14 years old. Why are you asking me these questions? You are not a normal kid. I'm like, because I want to know why it sounds so good, because I want to make records like this one day. And so that's where it all started. So we actually moved from Denver to Nashville, uh, and we moved to Nashville strictly for the purpose of pursuing our careers. We were so serious about it. We literally up, uprooted from Denver, moved to Nashville to pursue our careers. And what happened was, because we, we, we had a gospel group at the time called Meekness. So what happened was, in the midst of that move, my mother actually had cancer and she passed away. So while when we got to Nashville, because of the passing of my mother, we kind of took a little bit of, of a layoff from pursuing the, the singing side of things. And it was in that layoff, it's really, it's really awesome how God orchestrates our footsteps and our plans. Sometimes we don't understand things, mm-hmm. but through that layoff, of pursuing our our creative side of of why we moved to Nashville, we all started working with different people that eventually got us involved with what eventually became the executive side of our career. As an example, uh, my twin brother, um, we had met a guy named Ben Tankard, who was a uh, uh, up-and-coming musician. Um, He's like a gospel jazz artist. And Ben Tankard had just started a, a label um, called Diadem. And 
Ben Tankard had just signed an artist who no one had ever heard of by the name of Yolanda Adams. <laughs> this was like in the early 90s. <laughs> and so Ben was like, you know, because Ben used to come to Denver and stay at her house, and he knew my mom, and we were just, you know, we were, we were just really good friends. So Ben was like, you know, I know you guys, I trust you guys, I need someone to help me. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know how to do this, but, you know, let's try to figure it out together. So my brother started helping him with um, radio. And at that time, there wasn't even what we now know as as a reporting panel, which basically like having the ability to track how records are played on BDS and mm-hmm. Base. There was none of that. So it was, just, it was really just kind of calling out to these stations and saying, hey, did you get this, this package in the, in the mail from this girl named Yolanda Adams? And so anyway, so, so that eventually became Ben's label, eventually was bought by a label called um, Benson Records, which then was bought by a label called Verity mm-hmm. Records. And so through that whole transition, with my brother, just starting with that example, he kind of went from just helping out Ben kind of on the side to kind of being an intern to kind of being a part-timer to being a full-timer to eventually becoming senior director of promotions for Verity. Okay, my sister was working with a lady named Teresa Harrison who had a small little magazine called Gospel Today, which became a big magazine, which then led her to meeting an attorney named Richard Manson, <laughs> who was the attorney for, for C.C. Winans, which made that relationship— um, then I started working with a guy who was doing A&R at Benson Records named Paul Wright, who also had a studio, who would ask me to come over and help him with, you know, production and blah, 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 which eventually led me to a relationship with Philip White, who was the president of Light Records. And so, again, it, I, I couldn't have wrote the script myself. But so, so there's really no way to just say how it happened. Right. But I know that God orchestrated those 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 paths for us. Right. And you remained you remained really open, obviously, because you guys were so hungry. You wanted to. This is what you guys wanted to be about was within music. You know, it sounds like. Right. And and what was really. What was really unique in that process was that um, after we kind of started segueing into in an unorthodox capacity, the industry side of things, well, I started having a severe depression of not doing the creative mm. side of things. That's always been like my world. And so while I was very happy to start to get into the industry, quote unquote, side of things, mm-hmm. The creative Kindle was just like yelling and crying. And so I, I talked to my twin brother and I said, hey, look, you know, I don't really want to do like, you know, the gospel thing per se anymore on the creative side. But and, and, and my brother and I, we've always had this love for like smooth R&B. And, you know, we grew up on like the Whispers and the mm-hmm. Jacksons and the Isley Brothers. And so um, funny enough, we, we've always been really drawn to like family groups. And so. Um, we, we kind of want to, and I've always felt that families have a unique way of blending. You know what I mean? So we decided that we would try something a little different. And um, even though we grew up in a very hardcore church upbringing, you know, now that my mom was passed away and, and, and not saying that we, we wouldn't, wouldn't have done it if she was still alive. But I think it was like, you know, we knew that we wouldn't at least have to hear her, you know, <laughs> right, jumping right. on it. Like, why are y'all doing R&B, you know? So, so. We started doing, you know, this little thing. We came up with the name Cloud Nine, spelled with a K, because both of our names start with a K, Kendall and Kelvis. And we wanted to make music that we felt like when people heard it, there would be an ultimate listening pleasure. And so what happened was um, we started shopping around for some 
interest with some labels in New York and L.A. We had a guy that we was working with that was helping us with that. And most of the labels at that time, this was like in the mid to late 90s, were looking more for like the more raunchier kind of R&B, which was kind of trendy mm-hmm. at that time, like the Casey and JoJo mm-hmm. and those kind of new Jack Swing art, art artists that were coming out in the late 90s. And that was not who we were. So I literally woke up one day, was so down in the dumps about just, you know, wanting to get things to where I knew, you know, what was burning inside of me, which was to create music, was just so strong. So I literally um, packed up my bags. Um, I was driving to work one day. I worked, um, I had a job at an insurance company. I got to a Kroger uh, shop uh, grocery store, pulled over in the parking lot, and literally broke down in tears. I just said I could not go another Mm. day doing something that has nothing to do with what my purpose is. And I, I've known what my purpose was mm-hmm. from the time I was probably eight or nine years old, like mm-hmm. seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I literally um, uh, bought a one-way ticket to England because we had been to England before. And in the UK, I've always known that people were so appreciative, even more so than here in, in the States, of you know producers and songwriters and musicians. And so... Um, I told my sister at the time, my, my sister Michelle and I were roommates. I told her, I said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go away and I'm not coming back to America until I have a record deal. <laughs> and, and she knew I was serious. And so I literally, I literally moved to London. I was there for two, I was there for two years. And in those two years, Will, I literally walked everywhere. Like, wow. like I would, I would like, I, I bought a, like I bought a map, a city map of London because I knew that the little money that I had by the time it converted into pounds, it was right. even less <laughs> because the British pound is, is almost twice the, the value of the U S dollar. And so I knew if I bought like a travel card, which was a card that would get you around like on the subway and the train, the bus. Um, if I bought one of those every day within a month, I'd be almost broke. So I went and bought a $2, a $2 map of the city. It's called an A to Z. It's literally every city mm-hmm. from A to Z uh, uh, in the city of London and surrounding areas. So I bought that map and I would, um, I made a list of like record companies and publishers. Um, so I get my songs to them because I had a bunch of songs that I brought with me that I, I had written. And I started like calling out to people. And I knew that when they heard my American accent, that would kind of like be a little bit of True. a, you yeah. know, shoe mm-hmm. in, which it was, you know. And so just just like if someone was from the UK here, you, you know, mm-hmm. if nothing else, the curiosity, oh, where are you from? Right. You know, <laughs> hello, how are you? Hello, Will, is that Will? You're going to be like, hey, where are you from, man? You know what I mean? So I knew that would be a little bit of a, you know what I mean, a little bit of a conversation starter, if nothing else. So, mm-hmm. and it worked. So, People set up meetings for me, and I would literally get my little map out, and I would walk to these meetings. And it would be literally, no exaggeration, three, four, five hours, one way to a meeting, and then that same distance back. And after about four months of doing this, I was walking one day and literally felt rocks under my foot. And I literally walked like holes in my shoe, like no exaggeration. That's crazy. And from all that walking over, over the course of time. And so eventually I ended up meeting a guy who knew a guy that had a studio in North London. His name was Ray Hayden. Ray Hayden had worked on some early Incognito records and produced, had just produced Mesa's first album. So I went to, work, to meet with Ray. Um, he showed me who he was working on and asked me what I would do different. So I started playing around with stuff. He was like, oh, my God, I got to have you. And so he started working with me every day. And I would go in there every day and help him with like different stuff. And I would literally, I remember one one day leaving his studio like 2 a.m. in the morning and had like a three-hour walk um, back to where I was staying, which I was literally staying on floors everywhere. But I remember that that night so clear because I felt 
the happiest I had mm. felt in so long because <laughs> I was doing music every day. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a penny in my pocket. Feet was sore, but I was making music, mm-hmm. and I was so happy. And so through that relationship, I met Bluey. Through Bluey, I met Mason. So anyway, um, from Incognito. And so um, I met a guy who, who had a label called Expansion Records, um, heard the stuff, fell in love with, with the, the vibe of what I was doing, gave us a deal. Um, this was two years later. There's a lot of stuff in between. That'll be in the book, which is coming. <laughs> and so I, I literally came back to America. As I said, I wasn't until I had a deal. And that started that whole side of, of, of that thing. And then at the same time I moved back, my buddy Paul Wright, who who was at the time working at, at, at Benson Records, had just started a label through Sony and asked me if I would be his um, A&R guy. Because Paul has known me for years and, and, and knows what I do. He's like, I want an A&R guy who's actually a real musician and producer, not just someone who just wears a hat. You're mm-hmm. my guy. Mm-hmm. So that's how the whole thing started. And then from there, I went to Light Records. And so, so wow. there, there you have it. Wow. That's, that's a mouthful. That is so, <laughs> that's that a mouthful. Is, and beyond that, but it's such an amazing, I mean, I'm so glad you gave the twists and turns of that story. Because for me, you know, storytelling is so critical is, to me. And I, because I, I, particularly in this day and age where we're only getting little quick headliners and, you know, Facebook statuses tweets. and tweets. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it can, it can appear. I mean, I, you know, Kendall, for those who are listening, Kendall is my producer. And so we work a lot together. And so, you know, on social media, obviously, I, you know, see a we're friends on social media. So I see his different posts and, you know, he's now, you know, very established and, and working with some incredibly talented and famous people. <laughs> and so he'll have a picture, you know, with Mary Mary, or he'll do, you know, pictures with Shante Moore, you know, and, and, and I know that people are looking at that from the outside saying, you know, wow, he just, come up, you know, he's just with Shante mm-hmm. Moore. He's just sitting him, you know, he's boys with, you know, Bluey from Incognito and how, but when you tell that story, it's like, no, this is years and years and years of process and, and, and faith and failures and depression and happiness and walking 20 miles a day, you know, before we now have this great picture of you, you know, sitting next to these people. And so I just think it's really important to share the fullness of a story. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I'll say this, Kenya, it, it's, a, I'm go sorry, ahead, Will, um, while, while you say that, I think it's important that you mention that because social media has distorted so much, especially how young people view success. And so I'm, I'm glad you said that mm-hmm. because, you know, people have the, the ability to, um, I'll use the word falsify certain things with social media that is really doing them a a disservice. And so, um, you know, I think you really have to understand the dynamics of what it of what it really is, um, what it really takes um, and and the enormity of time it takes to to reach a certain level. because some people just just think that it's like you know add water and stir it up and boom 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 we're there. Um, so 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 Will, you were going to no, say well, something. I, I, I mean, that's, say. that's that's a great point. You know, like I said, I'm a 20 year overnight success. But uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, there's there's a, a lot that you said in there um, that that's very key uh, for people to hear. Uh, but one of the things that I was really interested in in uh, in hearing from you, besides losing a lot of weight walking everywhere, uh, <laughs> what uh, that's one way to get in shape. Uh, what, what, Absolutely. What what, uh, what were you thinking about 
while you were walking. Wow. Honestly, honestly, um, for me, it was more so it was more so about um, like my focus was so strong, Will, that it was like, you know, I have, you know, I've never been married. I don't have any kids. So I was like, I have no one to, mm-hmm. to disappoint but myself. And I'm not going to let myself down. And so I felt like, you know, I'm going to lay it all out, all out on the line. And so my, my thinking was more so about, you know, um, that I'm not going to go back home until I get a record deal. And that um, I had prepared myself all my life musically. And I, I was able to to find the resolve and, and comfort and confidence in my ability to creatively do what I do. And I think that it's important that I say that because I think some people don't prepare themselves for opportunities, meaning that just like an example, like when I said, when I went in the studio with, with Ray Hayden and he asked me to do some things. Well, if you're not prepared, you have to have the kind of confidence that you can walk into a blind situation and deliver, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I just felt, I've always felt like that was one area in my life that, um, I've always felt very, very comfortable and confident, not cocky yeah, right. at all, but just confident, knowing that I know how to um, to make things, you know, come alive musically and how to bring things together. That is something I've always I've always done. And the more I've done it, the, the better I've gotten. And, and the more I've worked with other people, the better I've gotten. OK. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I think that's amazing. It's you're demonstrating to the to the universe your resolve. And and the universe is going to give it right back to you. So I mean that's that was it. Yeah, and and, and they're just saying that I actually, uh, or, or a quote I guess that I actually developed while I was there. And this is one of the things that actually did kind of come through one of my walks at some point. And it merely says adversity is the object. I'm sorry. Let me get this right. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, adversity is merely. Uh, now I can't remember what it is. Hold on, because well, I, I want to say it. I want to okay. say it right. And and while while you're thinking about it, I'm I'm going to say that uh, for me, that the, the reason why I asked that question because like jogging or walking are are some of the best times for me to either write songs or come up with ideas, plans. Uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, I had That's so true. many clar- clarifying moments while walking, and uh, in uh, whether it's the trees, nature, whether it's just the vibration of moving and walking it really just harmonized my, my physical mind right. with my spiritual mind. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. Did you find yeah, a quote? Yeah, and that's true. You, you know, <laughs> I was going to say, did you figure out the no, quote? No, I'm still thinking about it. But, <laughs> that's okay. We'll come back to no, that so, later. But, 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 yeah, but, but I, I will say this, that, that, you know, as you said, you know, well, it does bring clarity. And I think that also it helps you to remain humble. You know, like when you have come from a certain right. place, um, which is why, you know, I started out this interview by saying that, that, you know, first and foremost, you know, I have a heart for people. And I think that it's important to say that because I think that oftentimes, you know, when you, you know, when you scratch at any level of success, it's easy for you to um, kind of put on certain graces and, and that does you no good, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that most people that do that are usually people that, that haven't really come from a certain place in life. But, you know, when you come from the absolute bottom and you know, what the absolute bottom is, you know, then you, I, I would hope that you can only find it in your heart to be um, humble um, through all things, because I can tell you this, just as much as you have achieved 
it can be gone in the blink Amen. of an eye. Yeah. And yeah. which is why it's important to remember um, to remember that always and understand that, you know, people that are around you, you never want to be in a position to have done them wrong and then need them at some mm-hmm. point in life. You know, and so I just always like to fully, fully um, encourage people to have a heart for people. I mean, yeah. especially people with, with less than you, right. you know, mm-hmm. I'm really into like giving and mentoring and, and sharing with people. And, and I, I say that genuinely. And so you have to really have that kind of heart. And when you do, it's amazing how God will continue to elevate mm-hmm. you. Absolutely. Wow. So, so many, so many really good nuggets um, that, you know, from, from industry level to personal, I mean, we just did a whole discussion on, um, knowing your worth. Oh, I, I just remembered it. Oh, I just okay, remembered say it. it. I just remembered yes. it. <laughs> Adversity is merely the object by which one's greatness is measured. Ah, Think very about that. nice. Very yes. No, it is it is it is the truth and I and this is exactly why, you know, I wanted to bring you on. I think you have a very amazing story. Um, and, and, and have really turned so many lemons to lemonade, actually beyond lemonade. What's better than lemonade? I guess champagne. I, mean, I don't know, but, <laughs> exactly. um, <laughs> but it really, it really, you know, given the full arc of things, one, the, the biggest target audience we're trying to get with this podcast, who we're really trying to inform are those artists who, um, are still trying to figure this out. Um, obviously, we have listeners who, you know, maybe are feeling good in their music game as well. But I, I, I get the most feedback and the most response um, from the podcast from people who are trying to figure this all out. So um, in our kind of I, I could talk to you forever, but in our last kind of few moments or minutes, what what types of tips and strategies? I mean, you've kind of said it, but anything specifically that you would want to be able to share with those artists who are trying to elevate and move um, in the industry. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say this and, and, and will you probably remember when we first started, Kenya made a comment that, you know, um, you know, that I was, you know, largely responsible for a lot of what she has achieved. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say this, Kenya, <laughs> you are actually largely responsible for that. And I'll tell you, you why go. I say that. And this there is important. Because you were willing to take counsel from someone that had more experience than you. And I say that because a lot of newer artists don't have the capacity to listen and learn. And, you know, here's my thing. I keep myself grounded to the point to where I'm going to listen to people that even have less experience than me. Mm -hmm. But most definitely people that have more experience than me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so... You know, I've worked with so many artists, and I've shared this with you before, Kenya, that just were not willing to to understand and listen to the advice. I mean, w- rather it was something on the business side, like, you know, this is how radio works. Well, no, I heard this. Okay, <laughs> I've worked for major labels. That's not how it works. Or, or if I tell them... We need to bring in this type of player because of this. Well, my cousin plays bass right. and it's going to be cheaper. Okay, you don't get it. You don't get it. And, and so, so Kenya, I applaud you, and I've, I've said this before, because you were so willing to listen and, and take a chance on the information I was giving you. Yeah. And I think that when you, when you have that mindset, 
it opens up the door for opportunity. Yeah. So I applaud you, Kenya. Uh, well, Beautiful. no, thank yeah. you. Thank you. And I, I, I am, you know, I'm always a student, you know, I'm always a student and I, I too try to encourage other people to be a student, you know, to learn. It's, 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 you, you can always be learning something. So no, I think that's a huge tip and I hope that people are really listening to that. I just a really quick, so people understand how I even connected with Kendall, because I think this is very divine how we even connected. And, and this goes along again with what we're talking about with the universe and about being really open and receptive. Just really quick. When I, I had made a decision to myself that I wanted my music to go to another level and I recognized that I I wasn't meeting, I was meeting very talented people in terms of their musicianship, like they could play the keyboard really well or great drummer, but I wasn't really meeting um, the people, you know, I wasn't meeting industry people who could actually elevate and help me elevate my career. And so I had pretty much made an intention and and a prayer and a 40 day intention and prayer with God and said, God, you've got to help me. I got to figure this out. I got to meet the people to help elevate my game. And so after a series of things, the way that I landed with Kendall was um, I, through a weird course of events, I was able to connect with a woman here in Chicago um, named Kathy Carroll. And she um, was in radio promotions. And so she had told me, she had heard some of my stuff, liked it. She said, well, I said, I really am trying to get stuff moving in the UK. I want to get somebody to kind of maybe help me with that. Or how can I get booked there? I mean, I, you know, I was really naive. I didn't really know. And she didn't really know so much of that scene. But she said, you know, I'll send out a mass email to my contacts that I think have some relationships um, in the UK and and send your you know your video and you know links your website that kind of stuff and see if we get any responses and so what happened was kendall knows kathy so she was on that list Mm -hmm. of that mass email and um i don't know why you opened that email but you did and so (laughs) when he when he opened the email that's how you know he initiated the conversation. He reached back out. I think he may have reached back out to Kathy, and then Kathy forwarded back. You know, this is Kendall Duffy, good person. You know, you guys can go from there. And the irony was that you know, as a singer, as you start getting more as you know, as a singer, um, especially as a female, you know, you get a lot of guys and producers, quote unquote producers, who say, "Ooh, I'm a producer. Right. I can, I can get you somewhere." Yep. <laughs> And so when Kendall initially reached back out, I mean, I didn't think he was like, you know, a fraud or anything, but it was like, yeah, what, what have you done? Like, what what can you show me? And then he like sends me back this email. Oh, well, I worked with Mesa Incognito, CC Winans. And these are like all of my favorite, you know, artists. And so that's when we began to go ahead and start talking more. But the, the craziness, like he mentioned earlier in this interview, he was raised in Denver and I was raised in Denver. And we didn't know each other in Denver. And (laughs) we're like of the same generation, same. Our high schools were rival high schools. And what ended up happening, Kendall kind of, I think you may have emailed me like, did you, are you really from Denver? Because, you know, how many black people are in Denver? There's like six, you know, so... When you meet another black person from Denver who's around the same age as you, you're like, okay, well, now what what high school did you go to? And so he asked me, and I said the high school, and he said his high school. I'm like, oh, my God, that's, you know, he went to Montbello. I know so many people at Montbello. And then it just got even weirder because one of his really close friends um, is now married to one of my close friends from Denver. And so we had all these connections and never met until 
you know, whatever, four years ago, <laughs> three years ago as adults. And I mean, it got. And then, and then to add more to that, yeah. there, there was a picture that we discovered from, from Kenya's girlfriend who's married to my homeboy. And in that picture, it was from a, a party, I think, mm-hmm. from like somewhere in the 80s or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's like a house party. And in this picture is myself, my twin brother, Kenya's friend, my friend, uh, you know, myself, all of us in this, in this picture together. So we were all at this party together in the 80s. Of course, we didn't know each other. <laughs> and so so Kenya's Kenya's uh, friend thought we all knew each other. So we were all at this party together. But, you know, at a party, you don't know everyone at, at a party, right. right? So we're in this picture like, this is crazy. It was, I mean, it, it, How crazy when you look at the this? picture, Kendall and his brother are standing next to each other. And then there's like somebody. And then there's me. And then like, you know, and, and so we're like literally like next to each other on this picture. Totally don't remember him. Well, Tol- it, nothing. I, I, um, I got a and, bunch of sayings. I got three, three, three sayings that will sum up a lot of what you just talked about that people can use as takeaways. One is mo, most ahead, of the, the people that you know right now are the people that will take you to your greatness. You, yeah. Your circle is, is already been given to you. The other one yeah. is uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And the last one mm-hmm. is uh, if your cup is already full, nobody can pour anything in it for you. So, wow. I, I love that, Will. I'm going to have to write all those down for my Monday motivation. There you go. (laughs) Well, this is awesome. I, I, we, we do have to wind down. My gosh. I mean, and there's so many more things that I know that, you know, Kendall could share. Um, you know, we're just going to have to have you come knows. back. That's all. Yes. yes we keep Yeah. Cause we didn't get into production oh. and I really want to yeah. get into production. Like <laughs> that's a whole other story. It is a whole because other story. There's but so I... many myths about what production is yeah. and understanding that, but that's yep. a whole other story. But, but we'll yeah. have to bring you in. Cause I'm even thinking, you know, when the new year comes, you may have to start doing some series. Mm-hmm. And so those series, you know, That'd cause you, you just can't get it all down in one thing, but definitely, you know, production series. I do want to though, try to kind of, wrap things up by maybe you saying any any current projects um that you want the the audience to know about that exactly. are coming for you yeah. or any future things that you want to be able to share um that you're doing right now sure um so i just finished a couple of songs on um rebecca cruz who is um, a songwriter um and musician um she is the wife of actor terry cruz who many of you know mm-hmm. from uh different ac- action movies and Everybody hates Chris as as the father, uh, big muscular guy. But she's actually a very talented songwriter and singer. And so I did a couple of a couple of songs with her that'll be coming out on an EP sometime at the top of 2018. Um, my twin brother and I have a brand new Cloud Nine Clyde Na- Cloud. Uh, Cloud Nine album. If I can get that right, Cloud Nine album that'll be coming out at the top of the year that features um, Mesa Leak, uh, Howard Hewitt. Uh, of course, the incomparable Kenya is on the record, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're actually going to add another song to it. But mm-hmm. we've been kind of we've, we've kind of had it on the back burner because we've been busy with other projects. One of which is um, a movie called The Star that comes out November the eighteenth. It's an animated movie about the first Christmas as being told by these little mm-hmm. animals. Really awesome story about the first Christmas. Um, the voices of the animals are uh, Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, Mariah Carey. Anthony Anderson, some really big names, uh, produced by Devon Franklin. Um, so that comes out. We're doing the marketing for that. And um, a couple other things in 2018, uh, some that I can't really say yet because we're still kind of filling out some some details. And then um, hopefully I'll be working on some more stuff with Kenya. Yeah. And a couple other artists I'm working with, uh, an artist named Nia Simmons. She's going to be coming in to do a couple of songs with me. She's an artist that I met on a tour 
while I was with Kenya in the UK a couple of years ago. Um, so that's uh, going to be coming down the pipeline. And a couple of other younger artists I started working with that are like teenagers, kind of young, yeah. that I'm trying to uh, develop into some things. So we'll see how that goes. But um, just loving life right now and, and um, wow. very honored to be a part of this uh, podcast. And uh, I've definitely enjoyed uh, your tidbits, Will, and, and yours, Kenya. And uh, yeah. hopefully we can share some more well, at a later time. I enjoyed having you on. Definitely. That, it was great. A lot of, lot of yeah. great stuff. If you could just share also real quick, how can people, if people want to get in touch with you on social media, any social media handles or anything that people can reach you? Sure. On Facebook, it's uh, Kendall Duffy, just my name, K-E-N-D-A-L-L-D-U-F as in Frank, F as in Frank, I-E. And then on uh, Instagram, it's, um, excuse me, Cloud9 with the K, K K-L-O-U-D, the numeral nine. And on Twitter, it's Cloud9Twins, K-L-O-U-D, the numeral nine, twins, T-W-I-N-S. Wonderful. Yes, make sure you follow Kendall. He's he's usually pretty active on social media, so you'll... You'll get some great, some more insight on on things that he's doing. So this this has been fantastic. It's part one of a twenty month series. No, I'm just playing. But it, it's, it's 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 at least our initial. And you know, thank you for agreeing to do this, and and for you know, like I said, always just always being extremely helpful. What you said about who you are as just a human and how humanity is so important you know he is not just saying that you know kendall is probably one of the most helpful people that i know um when i i I am certain you're the most dependable person i i'm clear on that (laughs) i'm clear and i i say that and i you know what i i have a lot of people that i love in my life but kendall is the most dependable person that i've ever met in my life so i i think that comes because of your care you know, and the sincere care that you do have, you know, for other people, you want to make sure, you know, you can be dependent on. So, you know, thank you for that. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you all. We'll see you all next week. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening. And we hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Please leave us a comment on our page. If you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at info at creatingcrimson.com or drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbizbiz.com. If you would like to schedule a consultation session with Creating Crimson, you can fill out the contact form at the bottom of the website at creatingcrimson.com. If you would like registration services for your music project, you can visit makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com and go to the registration services page. Please fill out the contact form and we will get back with you promptly. If you are interested in advertising on our podcast, please send us an email at drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com.